Welcome back to Lightshed Research, a podcast that puts our research notes in your ears for your listening convenience. July 19th, 2022, 12 questions for Netflix's Q2 2022 earnings interview tonight. Here are 12 questions for Netflix management on tonight's Q2 2022 earnings interview. Our Q1 2022 questions can be found here. Number one, does Netflix have a content quality control issue? Kim Masters recently wrote an article that shed light on the internal tension between content quality control and driving content scale. Do you believe that you have properly balanced these two competing forces? Co-CEO Ted Sarandos often talked about the significant number of people with greenlight authority at Netflix, in sharp contrast to legacy media companies. Was that a mistake in hindsight? Does there need to be even tighter control to ensure quality? Everyone in the media industry makes underperforming content. What have you learned from your mistakes? And how has your process changed, if at all? Two, does Netflix have a marketing problem? You have four different CMOs in the last three plus years, with Marion Lee recently replacing Bazama St. John. Marketing spend is about 9% of revenue. Spend fell as Netflix built brand equity. But is that simply too low in light of rising competition and slowing subscriber growth? You've created some high quality content, such as The Atom Project, which failed to generate meaningful content buzz. Is that a marketing problem or simply the content did not resonate with audiences to the level you expected? How are you rethinking how you promote TV series and movies, especially as the competitive environment grows more intense? Number three, how would you grade your content output in first half 2022? With Netflix on pace to spend upwards of $17 billion on content in 2022, how do you feel about what you've created year to date? Is the content creating the hits per billion dollars spent that you modeled? Why or why not? Number four, why Microsoft as Netflix's advertising partner? We find it hard to believe that you chose an advertising partner simply because they did not have a directly competitive streaming platform. While co-CEO Reed Hastings has a close relationship with Microsoft going back to his days as a Microsoft board member, Microsoft is not an obvious choice to lead Netflix's advertising push. Given that Microsoft is not a leader in CTV advertising prior to working with Netflix, what makes them the most compelling partner? Is it fair to say that Microsoft's agreement gives you multi-billion dollar advertising visibility over the next several years with annual minimum guarantees? Number five, how do you innovate on the advertising experience? Hulu innovated on advertising in the early days of its launch, offering consumers the ability to pick the ad they wanted to see or to watch a piece of sponsored content to avoid interruptions during a program. Unfortunately for consumers, this was not terribly scalable, and today the Hulu ad experience increasingly feels like linear TV. What did you mean when you talked to a differentiated Netflix ad experience? Is that simply talking about the ad load not interrupting the programming, meaning only pre- and post-content ads? Paraphrasing former Meta COO Sheryl Sandberg, the holy grail of advertising is when the ads feel like content rather than ads, as they often do on Instagram today. In the TV world, that really never happens beyond the Super Bowl. Is that your goal for Netflix? And if so, how do you create compelling advertisements when the ad industry is lazy? Number six. What will advertising success look like for Netflix? With a cheaper ad-supported tier, the majority of consumers choose to suffer through ads. Obviously, Netflix has no ad-supported subs today. So the question becomes, what is reasonable in the next few years? 20% of overall subs taking ads? 30%, 40%? And what do you think that mix looks like in five years? How does this translate to a revenue mix in maturity? Number seven, how do you price the advertising tier? Is your plan to create a single cheaper plan that carries advertising below your current basic tier? Or will basic, standard, and premium tiers all get discounted with advertising options? 
What are the positive and negatives of each approach? Number eight, what hurdles exist in offering an ad-supported product? There were reports last year that HBO did not have the rights to insert advertising across their full library of content. And recent reports suggested that Netflix also must renegotiate certain content deals in order to integrate advertising. How should we think about the cost step up to enable advertising? Is this issue even relevant if you do not put ads within content and only do before and after? Number nine, what has Stranger Things' success taught you about how to build franchises? There's an inefficiency tied to starting from scratch each time you attempt to develop a big hit. What makes you confident that you can repeat Stranger Things' success with other titles? Are there repeatable steps that you have learned, such as through marketing, production, etc.? Do you regret not making more acquisitions of existing studio IP? Number 10. Do you have any interest in owning a TVOS platform? Roku stock gained 10% in June following a report that Netflix may buy Roku. Is there any strategic logic to owning your own TVOS platform? Number 11. Password sharing. What have you learned from your password sharing tests in Latin America? Did you start in Latin America simply because it has the highest level of shared accounts? U.S. is around 30% with Latin America meaningfully higher, even though it's a more economically sensitive region than the U.S. Why was a $3 incremental charge for password sharing the right surcharge in Latin America? Number 12. Did you underbid on F1? ESPN recently renewed F1 domestic rights through 2025 at a reported 16.5 times AAV increase. Sports Business Journal reported that you bid on the rights, but came in far below ESPN's final offer. Did this signal a shift in how Netflix views sports rights, or was this a one-off tied to Netflix's synergies with F1 through Drive to Survive? F1 feels like a natural fit to run a test on the service. Was it a mistake to underbid the competition, given the price was low relative to your content budget? Are there other sports properties that interest you in the near term?